Welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudaman, joined as always by Darren Burns in Singapore and Toby Doman in Hong Kong. How are you, Darren? I'm doing great. As I was saying before we came on, I'm moving house, which is always so much fun. But here I'm ready, fired up and ready to go. Fired. Well, you've just stolen Toby's catchphrase for his <laughs> podcast. Toby, who sent us a message before today's episode to tell us he was fired up after reading about the 100. It's not, I mean, that is the impact they want. They want to fire up people, I think. Yeah. No, I, yeah I'm, let, let's wait for that. I need to calm down a bit. And my GP will probably, my doctor will say my, my blood pressure is too high, but let's get there. But nice to see you both. Is, is it one of the teams, Welsh Fire? Yes. Yeah, Welsh fire. Yeah. I mean, it's important, I think, always to just focus on the process and to try and remove emotion. <laughs> anyway, let's start. We have ultra reviews of various series in India, uh, in uh, Australasia. I'm not entirely sure which country it's being played in. Uh, in the West Indies, um, in Pakistan, a couple of ultra exits. Uh, we're going to look at the 100 in our ultra light section. And then, of course, we've got ultra good, ultra bad, and ultra edgy. So let's start with ultra reviews. Uh, the big series right now, of course, England in India. Last time we talked about this, we had just departed the Chennai leg of the tour. Seems like such a long time ago. In in the interim, of course, we had an episode with Sir Martin Sorrell. So this is a, this is a bit of a come down, I suppose, from those <laughs> highs. Um, but the Test series, of course, uh, seemed to get more and more dramatic after leaving Chennai. We had a two day Test match in Ahmedabad, which was bonkers. Honestly, it was like a it was like a highlight reel. I've never really seen a Test match like that in a in a long, long time. Wickets were falling, kind of every other over. I mean, personally, I thought, I, don't, I just don't think test matches should finish in two days. I don't know how what, 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 how the two of you see it. I don't want to criticize the pitch too much. I think the pink ball played quite a big role in it. But surely we can't have matches finishing in two days. No, I think, uh, look, let's start with the pitch. I know, I know people have been talking about it quite a lot. I mean, the ICC decided that that pitch was average. And therefore, there was no further sanction for the preparation of the pitch. So if that, that's now the level playing field for an average pitch equals two days of test cricket, I guess groundsmen around the world take note. Uh, let's say no more on that. I think the, the pink ball under the lights on that particular new wicket, and I think they were saying that they're using very black soil. I think it's a very different composition to your average strip. Um, and I think, in particular, England batsmen clearly struggled a thumping victory for for India in both tests in that, that in Ahmedabad. But I think this the skid was an issue, and I think the turn was not prodigious at all. And I think people say, "Oh, you know, they've been they've, they've made uh, Axar look like Derek Underwood." You know, the fact that the fact that there was the skid and bounce, like almost like if you ever go to a temp in bowling alley, it's almost like when you when you drop your your, your big ball on the on the way to the skittles or whatever, it really sort of skids and has that lacquer, which really makes it hard to control. And I think England have never come up against anything like that before. And I think they really struggled, not with the spinning ball, but with the straight arm ball, which was quite interesting to see. I'm impressed with your knowledge of bowling. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Skittles. I think they're called pins, but anyway. Skittles. Hey, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm in the pub, aren't I, clearly? Beer and Skittles. Beer and Skittles. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's another podcast idea, maybe. Look, I, I think it would have been interesting if England had, had two quality spinners of the same magnitude or same level as the, the Indian spinners. I think it would have been a much different, even shorter game. It might have only gone for a day and a half. That test, maybe less. I get the points. And I mean, you know, every anytime Joe Root gets a fifer, is cause for concern on a pitch like that, given that he's a part-time bowler, right? We're saying a part-time bowler is getting five wickets. I mean, even if you prepare a green seamer, you know, your part-time bowler is not necessarily going to get five wickets. Maybe Colin de Grandhomme, your favourite toast, might you pick might. up five. You, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have seen it happen. Hardik Pandya took five wickets. Well, he's a proper seam bowler. At Lord's in, 20, in 2018. I'd say he's a proper bowler, Hardik Pandya. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Look, okay, I don't, I don't maybe, have a problem maybe. with it, actually. I think both teams played in the same pitch. You know, India managed to eke out a few more runs. I think it just exposes the fact that they had better spinners in those conditions. That's really what it boils down to to me. If 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 India had had, sorry, if England had better spinners, it might be a different story. But I think it was quite, you know, quite an equal pitch, really. I think it was instructive that they played on a very similar surface for the fourth test. And um, although England again struggled, you know, India put up 365 on that pitch and, and it seemed to have far fewer demons. I do think, you know, both Ashwin and Aksar after the third test said, you know, that they got their wickets by under undercutting the pink ball on this pitch and that just kind of made it skid on and under lights, very difficult. Um, but I just think as a paying spectator, you know, as a fan, uh, we, I, I don't think we want too many two-day test matches. It does leave you feeling kind of sad when a test match is over after two days. It feels sad, but don't you think it's exciting to watch? Yeah, what, yeah. yeah it is, it is, it is. I think, it's, I think it's very exciting to watch, right? Because every ball, something's going to happen, right? And so, you know, some, some, some test matches linger on, you know, a whole day and nothing might happen, right? And all of a sudden, everything happens. But this was, you were on the edge of your seat. You didn't know what was going to happen the whole time. I, th- I was quite enthralled. Yeah, once in a while, I think it's okay. But, you know, you kind of have this, it's just three days of emptiness that follows, Darren. <laughs> then it could reschedule another test, right? Or a one day like they used to in the old days, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, so that test match, of course, um, it was difficult for England to complain about the third test pitch, I thought, because they'd complained so much about the second test pitch. <laughs> you know, it was, it, you could actually see this happening. It was kind of like, well, how can, you know, it's kind of like the, the boy that cries wolf. Um, and so by the time we got to the fourth test, there was zero criticism of the pitch, and that was, a, I think, a very comfortable win for India. And England looked thoroughly shot by that test match. They really looked like they just couldn't handle um, Aksar or Ashwin. Mentally, they looked beaten. Johnny Bairstow, perhaps more than anyone, uh, looked to have been, you know, looked to, to be... To be uh, well, that, that, was a, that was a slightly odd selection. I think he played no test cricket for such a long time. And I think he played some horrific shots to get out. I think he was he, he was given a reprieve on his first ball. I think in the third test, slog sweep, slog sweeping, and then got out the second ball after that, trying to play exactly the same shot. So I don't know what, what mode he was in, but it wasn't it wasn't successful. No, and it, big big question marks I think for England after the fourth test around the rotation policy. We've we've talked about it before. Understandable in the light of COVID, but question marks over why. You know, the team's putting out a first-choice 11 in the T20s, not in the tests. Um, there was a lot of a lot of chat on TalkSport about that. Of course, the England players' technique against the turning ball, again, that always comes up, I think, when 
England do badly in India, there's a lot of soul-searching and then nothing changes. Um, England's ability to produce quality spinners also and their handling of those spinners. Um, I think we know that spinners require careful handling and um, good captaincy. And it, that wasn't always on display, particularly where Don Best was concerned. It's hard to see him improving from this experience. Uh, he really looked uh, like he was low in confidence as well. Um, but some bright spots for, for England, I guess. Dan Lawrence, I thought, batted pretty well in the final test. Jimmy Anderson looked good throughout. Jack Leach, I think, you know, did himself plenty of favours. Uh, anything else, Toby, you'd say for England from that series? Uh, I think, hands up, I think India were just by far the better team across all four tests. That's number one thing to acknowledge. They were um, much, much more skillful, I think, and added to the conditions that England had no answers and that that's those are the plain facts. But you're right, I think there were some interesting takeaways. I think Dan Lawrence needed those. Uh, I think he had a half century in the last test and a, and a decent score in the first innings of the previous test. So he needed some runs. I think he was looking a bit shaky, but England packed out that lineup with much many more batsmen than, than bowlers. I think Jimmy Anderson was the only recognised seam bowler in the end for the final test. So some strange things around selection, maybe pressure on Ed Smith. Um, I'd seen that there'd been discussions about them rotating during the Ashes as well. I guess full marks for consistency, but as a paying fan, do you want to see uh, underpowered teams playing each other? I don't know, difficult one because of COVID, of course, but I think it, it, it's a difficult, always a difficult tour in India, um, in it, living in a bubble as well. I think there's an illness in the camp at some point. I've got, I've got here in my document squits, which is probably un, un, unfair at this morning, but I think there's a bit of a problem with the squad. So they're probably tired um, and probably keen to have a break, those that aren't playing in the T20. Indeed. So India go through to the World Test Championship final versus New Zealand. They do. Which will be played in Southampton, uh, which... What a letdown. Is something... <laughs> is, is it a let, I don't know wow. if it is... A, look, I love Lords. It's because the hotel should be the there, showpiece. Right? They have a, the they hotel's have a hotel at the ground, yeah. so they can be fully isolated, yeah. yeah. And just in case anyone's forgotten, I've stayed at that hotel. Doesn't that wicked turn a bit too? Yes, it does. It does take turn. Well, I'm sure they're going to put out a banker for the final, <laughs> aren't they? They want five days for They're going to bring that curator out from Ahmedabad. <laughs> They'll bring the MC. They're going to drop it. They're going to drop in the MCG yeah, nice. pitch from, <laughs> to, to Southampton. Um, what, what's your? What, what do you guys think? I've had. There's been some weird kind of criticism of the the world, the WTC, whatever we call it, final. Actually, on Talksport, I think some people were saying, "Well, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's not a real thing." I feel like it's, I don't know, I feel like it's quite a good um, I think it's a nice, good opportunity. Yeah, I think it's a nice showpiece, yeah. right? I mean, you, normally you sort of win a minor premiership, right? Where you just win on points and there's no real final and somebody gets the baton, it's handed over kind of weirdly, but at least this brings things to a kind of a close. But I guess, you know, it is weird having one test, right? I mean, you know, normally you'd, that is weird, you're just having yeah. a one-off test. It, it often might depend on who bats first or whatever versus a kind of maybe three test series, but at least it means something, right? I think it's a great idea. They should just play three tests. I think they should play three. T- I don't know why they. I mean, I, I know they've got busy schedules and all, but yeah, they should. I think it would be nice if they played even two tests. Would be nice, but then I guess you could have a draw. You could have a super over. Maybe <laughs> New Zealand would love that a super session. <laughs> super se- yeah, could end, end with a game of the hundred. Um, one test of one hundred, <laughs> right? To finish one, it off. Or maybe you could just get have a have a drinking competition with Shastri versus Gary Stone. <laughs> anyway, we move on to the T20 leg. 
So the T20 leg has started. We've had three matches, all going with the toss so far. England up 2-1. It's been pretty one-sided matches, actually. I think England have been really good in the matches they've won. Their game plan looks top-notch. I'm impressed by Owen Morgan's captaincy. Mark Wood and Joffrey Archer are bowling consistently above 150 kph. And, you know, it it kind of reveals that uh, it's a really good strategy uh, to, to, to reduce run scoring in T20s is to bowl really quick. Uh, not every team can do it. Uh, but England look look in, in pretty good nick. Yeah, they did. I watched them last night. Um, it got a bit past my bedtime, so I didn't see all of it. A um, cup of cocoa and then bed about... Uh, 10 overs into England's response. But yeah, I think the um, Butler obviously was starring yesterday and Kohli got some big runs as well in India's first dig. So I think the toss is crucial at the moment, given that these played under lights. And so they've gone with the toss, as you said. Um, but yeah, England looked look good, looked compact. One interesting thing I saw, I took from comments about the previous, I think the second T20, was that actually Washington Sunder was was in many ways, India's fastest bowler because the seamers were playing like off, like leg cutters. They were bowling very slowly as a tactic, which was quite interesting. So what I, what's impressed me is the variety of skills on show uh, from both sides, which has been really impressive. And it, it, T20 continues to like, innovate throughout in terms of the cricketing skills. It's all IPL skills, isn't it, Darren? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, I've, I've, I'm like you. I mean, I've been really impressed with the England team. They just look in white ball cricket, whether it's... ODIs or T20s, they look like a really well-drilled, well-heeled, well-led side. They just seem to know their roles and they're, they're very professional. Look down that batting list or the bowling list, man by man, they, they're really doing their roles. So they look a real th- threat for the upcoming World Cup, I must say. Yeah, and I know there was talk before this series that India are, I think, second in the world or, or, or close to England. But I, I don't know, it's, there seems to be a reasonable gulf between the two sides from what I've seen. I know India won the second match, but I think... That was as much down to the toss as anything. Um, India will improve, I think, because their policy of, of picking Mumbai Indians players um, can only help them. You know, now uh, I think pretty much half the team is Mumbai Indians, right? For the second match, at least, they had uh, they drafted in Ishan Kishan, who looked amazing, despite appearing to only have one scoring shot. Um, but what a shot it is! Um, and, you know, he looked fearless. They brought in Surya Kumar Yadav, who's another star from the IPL. Already they have Rohit Sharma. Jasper Brummer is missing. He's got married. Um, and they have Hardik Pandya as well. Uh, so, you know, that's five players from, from Mumbai Indians. Um, but India need to work on their batting. You know, Rahul's totally out of touch. Uh, they need to... I, think, I feel like that's where they're struggling. I don't think... The, the bowling, I think, is okay. Um, yeah, it's good to see Hardik Pandya back bowling and batting, right? Yeah, skills. he's looking good. I mean, well, he's looking good bowling, actually. Mm. His, his bowling has actually been all right, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, that is good. Okay, so one more match to come uh, in that T20 series, I think, right? There's one more tomorrow. Two more, isn't there? Uh, two, and more, of course, two more. And there's, there's oh, sorry. Yes, all, correct. And two no, more. And no then there's the ODS. Well because a surge of cases in Gujarat, I think. Well, that's not a surprise if you saw the 60,000 in the crowd um, for the for the second match, none of whom were yeah, wearing was, masks. I mean, it looked crazy, didn't it? It's baffling, but then again, India has one of the lowest mortality rates for COVID, doesn't it? So yeah, who knows? But that's interesting because the PS. We should also maybe just touch on the PSL here, Pakistan Super League, which 
um, has been postponed. Yeah. Uh, a c- couple of weeks ago, I think as many as seven players, maybe more since then, uh, but seven players or officials returned positive tests in less than a week, which is a real shame for that competition. I thought it was shaping up quite nicely. Um, and of course, the board needs the money. But this is, I, I think, the reality of lockdown cricket. Over to New Zealand versus Australia. Darren, tell us what happened. Yes, yeah, so there's a five-match uh, T20 series in New Zealand that came and went. Full cr- crowds for the most part. I think there was one game where they didn't have crowds. Uh, as you know, in New Zealand and Australia tend to lock the whole country down if there's one single community case. And that's why they've managed to control it so well, much to the chagrin of many, many people living in those countries. But still, you'd have to say they've done a pretty good job and mostly the economy stay open. Anyway, so New Zealand ended up winning 3-2, it was an interesting series. I'm not sure we really learned much ahead of the World Cup. I mean, New Zealand started off really well. They won the first two matches. And the real highlight there was Devin Conway. Uh, remember the name, the left-hand, left-handed South African New Zealand batter. He will definitely get picked up in the IPL. I think he, he, didn't, he didn't get picked up during the auction, but I imagine that he'll be called in as a replacement, you think, because some, some players have already stepped out of the IPL. Uh, they're not going this year. So you, you'd imagine you see him in the IPL, hopefully. But he looks a real, a really gun batsman. Got all the shots. He can he can speed up if he needs to. He can he can play an anchor role if he needs to. He looks looks a million bucks. Um, so he was good. There's been a bit of a return to form from the old Martin Guptill, the old warhorse, Guppy. He was the leading run scorer for the series. Uh, Hulling a 90-odd that he scored, but looked look really good. Uh, and, and so the first two games won by New Zealand. Australia came storming back to win the next two. Uh, so, you know, th- that was pretty good. Game two was actually interesting where Australia almost pulled off a heist when they scored 94 off six overs to almost steal a match, which was quite interesting. The other games were quite boring, including the last one. They all sort of were pretty one-sided. So 3-2 to New Zealand. You know, some other highlights I thought were, you know, Aaron Finch returning to form. So a couple of 50s for, for Finchie. He was really out of touch in the IPL last season, he was out of touch in the BBL, uh, but he's come storming back with a couple of good scores, so he's looking good. Uh, there'll be some disappointments uh, on the RCB side. They paid two million bucks for Kyle Jamieson, who looked terrible as a T20 bowler or batter. He scored a he scored a couple of runs, I think, with the bat, but he just looked he got he was really expensive with the ball. I think he went for eleven or twelve and over for the whole series, so that doesn't inspire much confidence um, on the RCB side. And I thought. You know, Ish Sodi, who, who sort of always goes under the radar, he was, again, the most outstanding bowler by a long way in this series, picking up about 13 wickets at an economy of eight. So he looked good, as did Ashton Agar. Um, and, and Trent Bolt, again, excellent, as he was last season in the IPL for, for Mumbai Indians. So, yeah, New Zealand look okay. Australia, just, I don't know what they're doing, Australia. They don't seem to know what their combinations are. They don't seem to know what what the bowling lineup should look like or the batting lineup. So I think they're still experimenting quite a lot in the lead up to the, to the World Cup, but let's see. What, what happened to, to Ashton Agar, by the way? I remember seeing him years ago and they were sort of quite excited about him as a prospect. And he, he yeah. looked like he could... He's could... kind of reinvented himself as a kind of T20 ODI bowler. And he's more of a bowling all-rounder. Well, I guess he was always on the scene, but he, he's quite good in... In, in the white ball stuff. He hasn't really progressed at the at the red ball stuff, either in first-class cricket or for Australia, uh, which is kind of a pity. I don't know why that has happened, but he seems to really focused on the white ball stuff because he's a nice action. He's tall, left-arm spinner. Yeah, he's quite elegant elegant action. I think he looked, he looked the part. 
you know, you think he'd be in consideration to, to, on the on the next India tour of us for Australia. Yeah, he doesn't really turn the ball though, does he? That's that's always seemed to be. You don't need to on those wickets, right? <laughs> I mean, I think he'd be actually quite good. Steve O'Keefe did really well last time, and he didn't really turn the ball. <laughs> he does turn, doesn't he? Yeah, turn a the bit. ball. I thought. Yeah, I thought he was more of a more of a test. Yeah, it's a bit of an overall, bit of a ho-hum series. I mean, we didn't really learn that much. I mean, we did see Devin Conway up close and personal, which was which was interesting, I thought. Um, maybe another ho-hum series over in the West Indies. Uh, West Indies are playing Sri Lanka. Uh, there are two tests, uh, two tests to come. There's a two-test series coming. Craig Brathwaite is taking over as the West Indies test captain from Jason Holder. Um, who's had you had a pretty good run, I think we'd all say, as, as West Indies captain. Um, the limited overs leg, West Indies won the ODS 3-0. Sri Lanka really struggling. And they won the T20s 2-1. Crazy scenes in the first T20. Kyron Pollard became just the third player to hit six sixes in an over in international cricket. Off the same bowler, Akila Dhananjaya, who had taken a hat-trick just an over earlier. Yeah. I mean, that's hero to zero. Yeah, it really is. Really. The frivolities of that's T20 a cricket. tough one. <laughs> Truly. I did watch it. So I, 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 this is an easy question, but I'm sure you guys know the two others who've hit six sixes in international cricket. Yuvraj Singh and Gary Serbers. Gary Serbers, yeah. No, Gary Serbers is not international cricket. No, Gary Serbers is county. county. It was a county match. Yuvraj Singh and who else? I don't know. Is it from the main teams? One of the main teams? Is it a Pakistan player? Herschel Gibbs. It's, Her- it's Herschel Gibbs. Gibbs. Really? I guess two. In a World Cup 2007 match against the mighty Netherlands. Okay. Yuvraj Singh did it against Stuart Broad. That's right. It's not for Everyone you. does it against Stuart Broad. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised Yuvraj didn't come out with a tweet after the six sixes, with some sort of alpha tweet, you know, with the kind of, that was good, Polly, yeah. but... Not quite as good. Yeah. Bit as, of a ch- bit of a mine. champing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bit of a big, bigger. A bit of a champ. Nice, nice work, champ. Yeah. But the, the yeah, just I think that Yuvraj got longer distances on his sixes. Um, but anyway, anyway. All right, ultra exits. Um, Martin Johnson, the well-known cricket journalist, um, former cricket correspondent for the Independent, um, sadly passed away. Not sure how familiar the two of you. Are aware with him, but he was one of my favorite cricket journalists. Very funny, probably the funniest cricket writer. I, I read one of his his previous tour reports from England's ill-fated tour of Zimbabwe in 1996, the the We Flipping Murdered Them tour, if if you recall. And there's some real gems in this in this article, but perhaps my favorite line is. Caddick's other problem is that when a batsman gets after him, he has the body language of a failed souffle. That's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, he's very good. I read him talking about Angus Fraser saying he bowl, bowls like a man who's had his uh, slacks caught up in the uh, in the slide screens. Yeah, which is quite in the slide nice. screen. Very good. Yeah. He was also, so Mike Salvi, who's the president of the Cricket Writers Guild, I think, wrote a very nice obituary which is worth checking out. And actually, the obituary was written by um, Johnson himself because he gave him the opportunity to write before a few, a few days before he passed away. So it's actually quite a good read. 
But there was one one really interesting little aside. He said that they were in Pune, I think, uh, obviously covering a tour in India. And I think someone or a car had cut them up, cut him and Sel- Selvi up on the way to the ground. And I think Johnson didn't take kindly to that and and sort of shouted and threatened them and, and you know, sort of gave them verbals and said, you know, you you what are you going to do about it? He said, well, you bring your boys to the... And he, named, he named the hotel they were staying in, I can't remember. You bring your boys and, and, and we'll, we'll talk it out there. And apparently they did show up at the hotel with guns and they had to diplomatically de-escalate the situation. So I think he was, he was fun on tour, is what I took away from that. Yeah. He was really the perfect journalist for that, for the kind of absurdities of English cricket in the 90s. I think he was, uh, he was really well suited to that. So Martin Johnson and uh, another uh, another player who's left us at the, the relatively young age of sixty, um, former England Warwickshire and Surrey bowler Joey Benjamin, very sadly is gone. Took three hundred eighty-seven first-class wickets in an eleven-year career. Played one Test at the Oval against South Africa in nineteen ninety-four. Took four for forty-two. That was a Devon Malcolm Test match. I think that's the nine for fifty-seven one. He also played two one-day internationals. England, kind of a county stalwart. I don't know if either of you have any Joey Benjamin memories. I saw him play once against Hampshire at Bournemouth and he looked very fast. That's all I have. Yeah, all right. Okay, it's time for the ultralight section where we look at something more light than heavy. What better, Toby, than the 100? Well... Which will be with us soon. Yeah. I don't want to say light, it might be heavy, let's see. So, so look, for those not familiar, the 100 is uh, the ECB's big gamble after England's World Cup, one-day World Cup uh, victory by a, a hair's breadth, um, as one may remember. But the ECB basically said we have a, a generational opportunity to expand participation in cricket after winning that World Cup. They planned for that win, and this was the follow-up. This is the follow-up at the difficult second album. And so I think the problem that they have is that they're trying to trying to get you go on the website and it's all very very brash colored. It's obviously not for me. I'm obviously out sitting outside of the demographic here. But interestingly, I saw that a lot of the the discussion is around the experience. So there's rules and it's slightly different. And maybe we'll get to that. But it's all about attracting new bums on seats and eyeballs. And I think they've taken a lot of cues. And I have to say, when you go to Australian cricket matches, the, the creativity and the marketing is really impressive. You know, like the swimming pool at the Gabba, for example, I've never seen anything like it. You know, really, really good ideas. And I think they're actually adding or using a lot of that um, creativity in this. Uh, I also noticed that Unilever appeared to be one of the uh, overall sponsors because all the shirts, I mean, they're, they're very garish. They're all sponsored by like, Butter Kissed Popcorn or KP Peanuts or other crisp or chip. And I was like, what's going on here? But then I saw that Unilever have this overarching uh, sponsorship deal with them as well. So there's franchises, there's drafts, um, all very American. Um, it's not for me, but there are some big players in there. And I guess, you know, the question mark, which Martin Sorrell, came up with the other week was, is there too much cricket? Is there an appetite for this? And that's the big gamble I think the ECB are willing to take, but I'm not so sure. Yeah. I worry it's, it's not different enough to T20, right? So you've basically got test matches, ODIs, 50 overs, which is a whole day. Then you've got the innovation of T20, which is a much shorter format. This to me feels it's almost a similar amount of time with a few different quirky rules. I'm not sure it's different enough to be impactful. Having said that, you know, I think people will watch it, obviously, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. And I, I mean, the Vitality Blast has has 18 T20 teams, right? 
which is a lot. So the best talent is not is not really concentrated amongst the, the 18 teams, right? It's quite spread out. Whereas I guess if you have these eight, only eight teams condensed, uh, you have, you know, a lot of star power in each team. I wonder if that makes it more interesting for people to watch because you have the likes of Warner and the likes of uh, Morgan playing in the same team or different, you know, it, it, does it make it more interesting for fans? I'm still not sure. Could, could they have done a different T20 tournament? There was only eight teams that, that really reduced it down. And the other thing I ha- problem I have with it is um, the logos are atrocious and the names of the teams and just the, the, the uniforms look just look really and that sort of amateur photo they put out, like a press, like a press photo. It just looked really amateur. These almost like a hip hop kind of thing standing on walls. It just, what well, it wasn't well done. The production value was really cheap. So let's see. Do you think this would work in Australia? I mean, as I say, no, they wouldn't do it. Not why would they do take it? On. I mean, they've got a pretty good franchise in the BBL. They've got the BBL. So, yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, do I just it. don't know why they don't don't try and work on the on the blast. Yeah, the the the, the problem is that the hundred is trying to do the same thing that T Twenty cricket has already done. And for I, yeah, I think. they're saying oh, it's like the IPL in India. No, it's not. Right, it's a different yeah. it's a different format that no. nobody plays. Right. Yeah, and I think the weird thing I. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but bowlers can bowl two. Are they overs? Are they even called overs anymore? They're ten. So they're ten balls. Yeah. Ten ball, and bowlers can bowl consecutive. The last two overs, apparently. Oh, is you it just the last ten, two? Right. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 really Mickey Mouse. I mean, it's like I don't know. It's like a pub game, isn't it? With skittles. The one thing about the hundred is it will be on free to air TV. Uh, it will be on the BBC and it will be on in prime time. So it will introduce a lot of people to cricket, a form of cricket, to a lot of big names, like you said, Darren. I mean, the draft, uh, what is it, Southern Brave have drafted, which is the Southampton franchise, they've drafted David Warner, um, Jai Richardson, Kyron Pollard, uh, Nicholas Puran has been taken by the Manchester Originals, along with Kagisa Rabada, Harry Gurney, Jamie Overton, Shadab Khan. So there's a lot of you know, well-known names that are in the 100. And that, uh, Quinton de Kock, I think, is in there too. So, oh no, actually, I'm not sure if he was taken. Only th- Sorry, only 35 players, by the way, were taken in the draft um, out of the hundreds that were <laughs> on the list. Um, so that's got to help in some way, one way or another. Let's see. The other thing is, I think it will be a good boost for women's cricket because the women's... Uh, competition will also be on BBC free to air, and um, you know for the for the for the women's game, this is really like the you know this this will help a lot of their players and, and some, there's some big names who are in in who have um, been selected uh, for the women's competition as well, particularly from Australia. Um, Meg Lanning, Sophie Molyneux, Alyssa Healy, so. That will be interesting. But yes, it's hard to get too excited about it, unfortunately. Quick word on, you did mention women's cricket. I actually just noticed this week that uh, Sarah Taylor uh, has become the first female coach of a men's team at Sussex, which is really interesting. I, I know, remember back in the day, there was a, a couple of female Formula One drivers. And I think there's been an Italian female football coach in Serie B. And uh, NBA as well. NBA has uh, San Antonio Spurs has a female coach and she took charge of the team when the coach was ejected. That was the first yeah. time. So yeah, interesting time. I mean, that's great, great news. And so that's a first I'm sure for certainly in the UK. Yeah, no, I'm, I, it may well be a first globally in cricket. 
I think I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, it, it's a bit Mickey Mouse, but I definitely want to see how it works out. Yeah, there's a kind of novelty value to it. Totally, yeah. I just, I hope it catches on for the sake of cricket, because I think what would be, what would not be good is if people just thought it's too, you know, it's too esoteric. It doesn't make sense. Um, we can't get our heads around it. And, and if the numbers aren't good, then that's a big investment they've made. Um, Do you think they'll have, have a run through? Do you think I have like because it's worth like you should have like a game behind closed doors to see if the rules actually work before you go straight into primetime TV? It seems a bit of a gamble, doesn't it? I guess they must have played some, right? They must have played a few games. Not maybe maybe there's an instructional video. <laughs> to know. They must have played a few games, I imagine. Have a few hit outs. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have some warm ups. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's the hundred coming your way soon. Ultra good. Toby, you wanted to talk to us about KL Rahul's fielding, yeah. which is just as well, because I don't think we can talk about his batting. Well, that, that comes in ultra bad, maybe. I don't know. See what you've got. But yeah, just, just a word on, on the fielding. Uh, this was, I think, in the second T20 match uh, off a steepling uh, on drive from Joss Butler, I think. And this is just testament to the quality of the fielding these days. You know, I'm showing my age now, but you know, John T. Rhodes was one of those individuals that made fielding look like an art form. And now pretty much every player has to be at that level, if not higher. And Rahul, I think he's quite a tall man. And to, it's a bit of a, a cliche, you know, he's got good, he moved well for a big man, but he did. He absolutely flew behind that rope. And so he stopped to six and saved three runs, I believe. But he was horizontal at the time of fully extending himself and then flicking the ball back over the rope to save that six. It was an incredible piece of athleticism. So hats off to you, Mr. Rahul. Yeah, well done. I think um, I think we're spoiled now, aren't we, with the quality of fielding? I remember in the World Cup last year, the the number of those types of catches and saves on the boundary is just ridiculous now. Yeah, the flick catches inside. I mean, I think I think a lot of a lot of players now can do that sort of leap over the boundary and lock the ball back in, and hopefully a fielder follows through and catches it, maybe. But uh, it's it's pretty spectacular to watch, isn't it? Yeah, and weirdly though, India's fielding in this T Twenty series has been quite average. Shocking. <laughs> I must admit, Shardor Thakur, that poor guy, every time I turn on a highlights package, he's missing the ball. Um, he's, he's short-arming, you know, diving over Sydney Harbour Bridge, diving over the ball and it's going underneath him or just, miss, just missing it, right? He does that a lot. And he kind yeah. of shakes his head and blames the, blames the ground or whatever. And well, you've got to blame the ground interest. in that situation, yeah. Darren. You know that well enough. Aw- awkward bounce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just didn't see it, Skip. Deceptively flat. <laughs> yeah, no, I think India's been really... The average they're fielding, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe a couple of passengers they've got on the fielding side. Um, but, um, yeah, some good stuff from KL Rahul. Right, ultra bad. Um, I would like to nominate Sachin Tendulkar for this category this week. Um, for his his dad jokes just get worse and worse. Um he posted a, a picture uh, of himself posing with Chris Tremlett. Chris Tremlett, by the way, is just a giant these days. He's like a serious bodybuilder. Yeah, what a rig, right? It's insane. He's massive, isn't he? So Tremlett wrote, if I can look as good as this guy at, the, at his age, I'll be a very happy man. Tendulkar retweeting the photo. This was his comment. How many omelettes would I need to eat to look like Tremlett? <laughs> I mean, that's one of the worst jokes I've ever seen in my life. I just, I can't imagine what goes through your mind. Put that, put that out. That's, 
I feel like he needs some social media advice. Surely um, he doesn't do his own, right? He's got someone say, make an omelette joke, and they came up with that. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you think so? Yeah. Because I would have thought, this, this so actually sounds like Tendulkar. He's, well, he might have said it to them and they, they posted it maybe, or I don't know. Yeah, maybe he doesn't do the actual posting. Maybe, but, but, but I, I this, think they probably go and help him find stuff. I thought it was interesting that he, it was, once again, it involved food. Um, yeah. So The other one I saw he, he, he posted last year was, you know, he, he said with his daughter, right? It was, Baba, are we lost at sea? Me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just awful, awful. Anyway. I, I think he probably has a team, his team. You know, he's got 28 million followers on Instagram. If it is his team, he needs to sack his team. If it's him, his team needs to sack him. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, something has to change. Please, end this. End this nightmare. On a, on a brighter note, we should probably mention at this point um, Ravi Shastri's uh, social media presence goes from strength to strength. He's Benta. been the subject of... Uh, he's been the sh- subject of some, some very funny memes about his, uh, his affection for the occasional Shandy, let's say. Um, there was a, a, a meme about um, the two-day test match. Someone put up uh, and said, did you really think I'd spend five days in a dry state? Gujarat is, is a state where alcohol is banned. That went viral. Another one went viral of him, him being vaccinated and, and some wag said that uh, he was being injected with uh, whiskey, let's say. <laughs> um, that also went, went viral. <laughs> Uh, and and Shastri loved it. He retweeted, I think, both of them, and was kind of like, "Great banter, yard." And then in a press conference, he said, "I would say it's banter all the way. They do it to have fun. It's at my expense, but okay, have a laugh, yard. How does it matter if I drink nimbupani lemon water or I have milk honey? You enjoy your drink, yard, at my expense when you post these kinds of memes. How many people have a laugh?" So many get happy, you enjoy that stuff. As long as the team does well. You just had to add that at the end. <laughs> as long as the team does well and happy with the, happy with the banter. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's very relaxed about it. I, I'm kind of enjoying this. It's, it's sort of the less aggressive Shastri. I think it works. Yeah. I think it works well. I think he's just, just enjoying bringing smiles to people's faces, right? Having a bit of a joke and, you know, if the team's doing well, so he feels comfortable and feels okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. He's embraced it versus fighting it. He has. He should, um, he could maybe help Sachin Tendulkar out with, um, with social media humor, perhaps. All right. And finally, Ultra Edge. Darren, you wanted to talk to us about obstructing the field, which was in the West Indies Sri Lanka one day match, correct? Yes. And looked very strange to me. Was it? I mean, Indeed. was it legitimate? Yeah, I don't know. If, I think most people might have, might have seen it around social media. Um, I think in the 21st over of a recent ODI, there was an appeal, uh, I think Gunatilaka, right? Danushka Danakalaka was going for a run. Uh, he t- tapped the ball with his foot, kind of walked all over it. Uh, Kyron Pollard didn't like it, appealed to the umpire. They went upstairs to the third umpire and they gave it out. I mean, if you look at it live... It looks like it was accidental. Um, he sort of dropped the ball at his feet. 
he ran. He wasn't sure where it was and sort of ran back and kind of stepped on the ball. Of course, if you play it in slow motion, it looks like he's looking down and kicking the ball away. But if you look, watch it live, you can tell he doesn't really know where the ball is. And I, I think it, it, there was a lot of discussion about it. He was given out, you know, for, for, for obstructing the field, which was, which was quite curious. Uh, I just thought it wasn't out at all. And you guys, am I crazy or what? Did you guys watch it? Did you see I it? watched it and I thought it was really harsh on the, um, on the batsman. But then cricket, you know, cricket has some weird rules. And in certain situations, the batsman is penalised more. In certain situations, the bowler is penalised more. And I always find with this kind of thing, with running between the wickets, um, the onus always seems to be on the batsman to move, which I I guess is is part of the laws of the game. So maybe it does say that intent is required though, right? Yes, it's intent. It's willful intent. And the batsman can hold his line, by the way, or her line. You have to move out the way. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like something um, you've got personal experience with, Darren. Yeah. You <laughs> knocked over a few bowlers in your time. <laughs> no, I think if you're running down the wicket, for example, you're not supposed to take evasive action and let the let the fielder get the ball. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to continue on your line, right? Like if you're running, you you know, you might get out the way because you don't want to get hurt, but you're not supposed to let the fielder in um, if you're running a straight line. It's if, we, if you go out of your way to willfully impede the fielder. Uh, and I don't think that happened here. That's... Uh, yeah, I honestly don't believe that's what that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. And then the other interesting one in the Afghanistan versus Zimbabwe test match, which we didn't talk about, by the way. Afghanistan are doing really well in this test. Um, yeah. They're, they're like all over Zimbabwe. Do you want to talk us through that one, Darren? I, I didn't really watch that test, but I do. I do know that Rashid Khan got eleven wickets. No, no, not to test the. Uh, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. I would never expect you to to have the the. Uh, the details of an Afghanistan Zimbabwe <laughs> test match at your fingertips. Don't worry. <laughs> Just the, uh, the this fielding thing, where basically they they wanted to stop uh, Sikandar Raza from retaining strike, and he hit a shot off the last ball of an, of an over. It stopped short of the boundary ropes. The fielder, the Afghanistan fielder Hashmatullah Shahidi, picked up the ball, deliberately put one of his feet outside the boundary ropes. So that obviously Raza couldn't couldn't take an odd number of runs and retain strike for the next over. You know, if it had been a boundary, then uh, the, the the tail ender, blessing Muzarabani, would have been on strike. The umpires took a dim view and they penalised Afghanistan one run, citing Rule nineteen point eight of the laws of cricket. So there you go. You don't see that very often. So what is the rule? Do you know? Yeah, I was going to say, what's that law? <laughs> I don't know. The rule states, if the boundary results from an overthrow or from the willful act of a fielder, the runs scored shall be any runs for penalties awarded to either side and the allowance for the boundary and the runs completed by the batsman, together with the run in progress if they had already crossed at the instant of the throw or act. Um, so they were penalised one run. But anyway, it's, I mean, it was a bit village, I think. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you do, like spitefully, right? Yeah. <laughs> or an underage cricket or whatever, you know? I don't know, just spite, spiteful kind of like... Yeah, a bit village. That, that guy called me champ at tea, so I'm going to get him back. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, champ. Innovative, though. Maybe they should add that to the hundred. <laughs> Creative you know, cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've all, we've all run out people intentionally over the years, haven't we? When we're batting, if somebody's scoring really slowly. I think that um, happened to me in my last match. <laughs> yes, sure. no, sorry. Yeah. No, it wasn't you, Toby. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was remember. someone else. Someone else ran me out. 
That was, yeah, it was, there was never a run. But anyway, yeah. All right, gents. I think that's all, that's all we have for this episode of Cricket Ultras. We're going to have a guest on for our next show, a special guest. So don't miss that one. Uh, or don't miss any of them. Thank you. <laughs> for that fact. <laughs> for that matter, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy cricket and take care. Cricket Ultras.